0: mentioned at the outset of the service that, uh, uh, that my, certainly my vision and direction for this service changed this morning at about 8 30? 40. I got to the building and, uh, and Emery's here and Matt's on my rotation of lead team and I said, guys, you're going to need to, I, I need a moment at my desk. Uh, because my message just changed and, uh, and I'm, I've, I've got to make sure I put at least a couple of notes down and give Clayton some scriptures so, uh, so that you can see some things today on the screen. Uh, that'll point you in the right direction. Uh, we were we were going this morning uh, again with Royal Revolution, and we were going to talk about longevity, and we're going to. You're not going to get out of that one, um, but it's just not going to be this morning uh, because this has been burning in my heart really since last night. But last night I didn't know it was going to become the message of the day, uh, but it is the message of the day. Um, go with me to Romans chapter eight, verse seventeen. Bible says this. I'm in the New International Version this morning. If you get a choice and you want to align with that, you can. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now that's a mouthful of hope right there. That Paul who knew suffering, he knew what it was like to be persecuted. He knew what it was like to come under attack. He knew what it was like to become under scrutiny and to to grow to be disdained by the people from whence he came. He says, I've learned this. The glory that's coming for us is so much greater than what we're walking through. That what we're walking through doesn't even deserve to be compared with it. In other words, if you're walking through some things, just hold on. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, just hold on. We may nudge each other a lot today, so get your elbow pads on. When I'm going off script a lot, we may get you know we may get rowdy. So. Um, eh. So you may have to get used to preaching to each other. But just hold on, because there's something out there that's greater than what I'm walking through. Sometimes it seems like the, the the greatest thing on my schedule, the greatest thing on my calendar, the greatest thing in my awareness is the problem and the enemy and the obstacle in front of me. But Paul says, no, there's something bigger than this. I know it's big right now. I know the family problem is a problem. I know the pain you've walked through is real pain, but there's something better coming. I know there's suffering but there's also glory there has been pain but there will be victory that is the reality of being the co-heir he says with Christ we talked about inheritance just a minute ago in the offering declaration but the greatest inheritance is as a child of God you get to inherit whatever Christ inherits well that's amazing that's a whole different level That sets you up in life and eternity for a whole different outcome because if you are an heir of Christ, then that means it doesn't matter if your mom and daddy couldn't leave you anything, God still has your back. Maybe you didn't come from a great legacy of spiritual wealth and and, 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 and stability and a foundation, but now you're the heir of Christ. You get to inherit what He has, and He's the rock of all ages. So now you can inherit stability because you're spiritually part of the family of God. So it levels the playing field of life when you come to Jesus. Now listen to this. I consider, verse 18, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Which, by the way then, for those of you who have gone through great suffering, and some of us really have, Some of you are so modest that you haven't even admitted to yourself that what you walked through was great suffering. If somebody else heard your story, they'd say, that's amazing that you're alive. If somebody else heard, they would validate you and say, wow, you've really been through a lot and you haven't really recognized it. But if you've been through great suffering, he says, it doesn't matter what the suffering is. If you've been through suffering, that doesn't even begin to compare. So if you've been through great suffering, it's great glory that's coming. I mean, think of it, church. God's not going to be upstaged by the devil. What God's going to do in you, through you, and for you now and in eternity is not less than what the enemy's tried to do. So your suffering is terrible, but it pales in comparison to where God's taking you. Now listen to this, verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation For the children of God, that's who he was talking about in the beginning. If we are children, that's us, we're heirs of God. Glory is coming in in place of our suffering. Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That means before we leave this planet, there's got to be a coming out party for us. Now, more on that in a minute, but the world has got to see God's people be who they really are. Not who the media says they are, not where the opposing political party says we are, anything like that. No, there's got to be the revelation, in other words, the actual revealing of who God's children are and what it means to be one, that's still yet to come. I'm just afraid that in all that's going on politically and socially that the church is going to get stamped down and tramped down and mowed under. Oh, look. You're only silenced if if you allow yourself to be silenced. If you go down, go down screaming. They'll know you were there. See, and this is where we have bought into all of this that we're at the mercy of the world. Oh, no, 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 we are not at the mercy of the world. We're from a very different kingdom. Our victory's already been declared, and so no matter what this world does, what this country does, what politics does, it doesn't matter. I still win. My Bible is still what's actually true. Go ahead and stand for it. Go ahead and speak up about it. Go ahead and make your standards high. Go ahead and live by the Word of God. Go ahead and speak up for Him. It's fine, because what you're doing, what you're saying is eternal. The Bible's clear. we gotta, we got to not be concerned about the one that can deal with the body but not the soul. He's like, "No, you need to be concerned about about the one that can do something about your soul." That's the one you can that's the one you fear, the fear of the Lord. So this morning, I want to talk about our ultimate destiny as believers. I want to talk what is this all about? So you've accepted the Lord. You're walking with God. What is this all about? What is the divine scheme here? Is it that God rescued man from sin, and that's just it? Is it that there is one day to either have a destination that is heaven or hell, and we want to make sure it's heaven, and that's it? Now, those things are true. As believers, rescued from sin, thank God, forgiven by God, extended his grace and mercy, been made right with him, so that when eternity comes, we are seated in the right place, that we are seated in heaven, not in hell, that we are eternally in the presence of God and not in a place of eternal torment? Absolutely. But what is the point of it? Is, does God have even a greater point than that to it? And I'm just telling you, God's ways are beyond finding out. They're higher than ours, and the deeper you look into them, the more you find. You read over a scripture you've read a 100 times, don't read faster because you're more familiar with it. Read slower and see what God's showing you. Just keep digging. There's more there. His ways are higher than ours. So everything that I know about whatever scripture I'm reading, even though I've heard it and quoted it since my youth, that means he's so much higher than me. Then everything I know about this is only scratching the surface. So I keep digging. I keep learning. I keep growing. I keep opening myself up to greater revelation. So I want to know, God, what is our ultimate destiny as believers? Because you seem to talk quite a bit about it. In your word, our destiny both here and even more so in eternity is this. According to our scripture, that the glory of God gets revealed in us. So this isn't even about us. I get to be a wonderful recipient of redemption, but I'm not the end game here. God's glory is the end game. Him being revealed to the world as the supreme creator and redeemer, that's the end game. That is the end game of my life. That is why God would promote you. That is why God would want to bless you. That is why God would want you to make the be the head and not the tail. Why he would want you to overcome. Why he would want to put money in your account so that you can bless your family and bless his kingdom. This is why he would want to move in your life so that you overcome obstacles and enemies and tread down the scorpions and the serpents. This is why. Not just so that you get a victory, but so that his nature is revealed. God is a God who created this place. He said also, Souls belong to me? You do know that scripture, right? Old Testament even. He says all souls are mine. It's an injustice for somebody to be stolen by the devil. When God says they're mine actually. They get a choice, but they're really mine. And here's why. Why would God prosper us in any way? Why would he set us up in a place to where we could be an influence? Why would he give you a voice at your workplace? Why would there be anybody that would listen to something you would have to say? All of it is this so that he can be revealed to them, to the world. He created this place. He created all the people in it. And then he did everything it took to redeem us. And now he wants everyone to know it. But the problem is everyone doesn't yet know it. So our part becomes we get to be the children of God manifested in the earth or revealed to the world. Not because we need to be seen. We do not need to be seen. We need to be so like Jesus that when you look at me, you look right past me, and you see him. That's why I want you to have a miracle testimony. That's why I want you to be bold about where you used to be but where you are now and telling people about that. Why? so that people can look past your pain, your story, your sin, your failures, and see an amazing God that was able to rescue you out of all of it, so that they look right past your failures and your issues, and they see a God that made you to overcome them all. That is the point, that His glory be revealed in us. What a different life we live if we wake up every day and say, God, this day in my life is for your glory. The way I treat people needs to be so you can be revealed to them. I mean, just take that for a minute. Let that swirl around in your heart that every interaction I have with people needs to be such that God can be revealed to them through it. That'll make you speak up sometimes and hold back other times. That'll correct your attitude towards some people. When you realize that the point is so that he can be revealed and I am the image bearer, I name the name of Christ, so that means when I walk in, I'm the the revelation of God to people whether it's right or whether it's not. This is why the commandment says, you do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is absolutely talking about swearing, but it is also talking about you don't take God's name. You claim to be a Christian, a person of God, in in an empty way. In other words, you say you're a believer, but there's no proof. There's no fruit. There's no evidence. I say that I'm a child of God, but you can't see God's glory anywhere in my life. He says, that's a commandment. You can't do that. That's an injustice to the name of God. It's a serious thing when you take on the name of Christian and believer because now you're claiming to be his. And so you reflect on him. That doesn't mean that you need to be scared into... I can only live a life of perfection and there's no grace. No, that's not what that means. It means we must have an awareness that God has called me to a different standard because I'm a different person now. And I cannot live like the old man anymore. I must live like the new because I'm redeemed and the glory of God needs to be revealed through my life. Now, then the purpose of God in redeeming us The purpose of God in delivering you from a bondage, answering a prayer, saving your family, healing your body, whatever it may be. The purpose in it is so that God can reveal himself to people, so that he gets glory. So that must be the pursuit of our life, which is different from other pursuits. Because if that becomes the pursuit of my life, I can no longer pursue my glory. I can no longer pursue whatever feels good to me or what I would like to. I I got checked on this, oh, a couple of weeks ago about something. And I was just kind of heartbroken over something. I was kind of not happy. I was going to go with the will of God. I I know what needs to be done. I'm I'm resolved to that. That's not a problem. I'm going to obey. We're doing, we're already obeying. But I just had a little emotional moment about something that I, you know, I would prefer to be different. And I'm driving in the truck, which is a great place to talk to the Lord. That's why I need to get you a truck. A GM-made truck. I know know I'm going to stir stuff up when I say that. And you'll notice, I don't mention... The Chevrolet truck and the Red Wolves in the same message because I I'm not going to stir up the Ford and Dodge fans and the Razorback fans all in the same service because I couldn't handle it. It would get out of control then. So I only mention one of those at a time. But so I'm driving along in the truck and I'm I'm kind of I'm just I'm just having a moment where I'm really coming to terms with what it means sometimes to obey the Lord and to do what you know is good, you know is right. But it's, it's difficult for you to make certain decisions because there's certain things that's going to cost you that you'd rather not have to cost you. And I was just having a, a little moment thinking about that. And I thought all through it. I even talked to the Lord out loud about it. And, uh, I said, Lord, I just, I don't understand what I'm, why I'm having such an issue with this. And this is kind of bothering me, this and this, and I don't even know why. And, and, and the, the conversation just kind of ended when, when God just kind of, you know, just kind of put it on me, on my heart, you know, well, this is what he said. He said, but your life is not your own. I said, okay. That's pretty much the end of the conversation, isn't it? Because it was was as if he was saying, are you going to take it back now? you Are going to take your life back now? Well, of course I'm not going to do that. But he made it clear to me there are some things that are hard choices to make when you're obeying the Lord. But that's what you make because your life doesn't belong to you. It is so he can be glorified. It is so he can be honored. That is why we're, this is why we're here. Now the question then is, if, if the glory of God is to be revealed in us and through us, if that's, if that's the ultimate goal both now and in eternity, then what is the glory of God? Now, some of you know this well. You've heard me, if you've, if you've been to where we preached at other churches, you've heard this over and over. You probably preach this part of this message better than I can. But I know there's folks that haven't heard it. What is the glory of God? Because the glory of God is something that's spoken of in Scripture, it's talked about in church, and it's as if it's a nebulous idea, and it's very hard to wrap your heart and your mind around. It seems to be so important that we become those who experience glory and reveal God's glory, but what even is it? And you have to go back to one of the first times we hear a lot about it in Scripture to really grasp what it's about. And it's Exodus 33. And it is when Moses is having a conversation with God on the mountain. And he's receiving the law and he's working through the fact that he's leading these people on a journey towards the promised land of God. And there's a lot of things to consider. And this is where God tells him, you know, if you're not going to go with us, then we're not going to go. And so this has been a very raw conversation between Moses and God. He understands the weight of his assignment to lead millions of people through the wilderness to God's promised land, lead them appropriately. And he says, God, you haven't even told me who you're sending. And God's, well, I'm gonna send an angel and he'll go before you. And Moses says, no, if you don't go, we're not gonna go. I think that's an amazing, courageous statement Of Moses, to challenge God to to say, God, I'm not going to be satisfied with an angel. I'm only going to be satisfied with you. Sometimes we settle for less than what God would give us if we'd asked for more. I almost think I read it somewhere and it might even have been scripture that you have not because you ask not. And I'm thankful that Moses didn't stop and say, oh, well, an angel's good, thank you. But he said, No, Lord, if you don't go. I think Moses understood the weight and the obstacles and what was ahead, and he realized we've got to have God. Your best angel representative won't even do it. Sometimes we would be good to see our lives in this manner God, I understand that I will not successfully navigate this day unless you go with me, and not wait on him for the hard times not wait to ask him until we face a big problem or a big giant, but just, no, Lord, I'm not going to go today without you. Moses understood this was absolutely imperative if they're going to find success on their journey. And, uh, And so they get that squared away, and God says, well, I'll do what you've asked. You say, did God change his mind? I doubt it. I imagine he probed at Moses' heart with that, with that talk of an angel going to see if Moses was going to insist on better, to see if Moses was really pursuing him. And Moses was. And he says, okay, I'll definitely go with you. And now Moses doesn't stop there, and he's, he's kind of like, well, I'm on a roll. Let me ask for something else here. And he says in verse 18 of Exodus 33, after God's promise to go with them on this journey, he says, Now, show me your glory. Well, now, Moses, we were talking about going on a trip a second ago, and now you just want to see the glory of God. That's interesting. And the Lord said... I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Show me your glory. Now, here's the thing about this particular scripture. These two verses reveal what the glory of God is. It's spoken to us very plainly. You have all kinds of theologians, all kinds of preachers, modern and ancient, that will give you all these voluminous terms and these great words about the glory of God. What's well, defined right here? It's real simple. Moses says, Show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. What is the glory of God? All of his goodness. Now don't say, well, it's just the goodness of God. Oh, hold on. If you talk about all the goodness of God, all of it? Because let's talk about multiplication for a minute. How much goodness has God shown Haley's life? How much, Haley? A whole lot. Carol, how much goodness has God shown your life? Absolutely. Erica, how much goodness has God shown you? A lot, she said. Christina, how much goodness has God shown you through your life? Yeah, there's not even words. But what if you multiply your goodness that you've received by what Haley's received, by what Erica's received, by what Carol's received, by what all of us has received, in all the different areas of our lives, over all of the timeline of our lives. Now you start approaching thinking about all of God's goodness. That's a whole, over all of the timeline of human existence? And God says, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. That's a lot to take in, Moses. That's a lot. Just the goodness he's shown you is amazing. But if it's all of his goodness forever... To every person, in every way, in all dimensions, at all times, that's an amazing display of the glory of God. Because it's glorious when God has been good to you in forgiveness and mercy, and it's glorious when God has been forgiven, has been has been good to you by answering a prayer. It's glorious when He has saved a wayward family member. It was glorious when he came through with provision when you didn't have any. It was glorious when he gave you an answer when you you were facing a question and nobody had the answer and you ask God and he shows you what to do. That's glorious. But you pile all of it on top of each other forever by every human being that's ever been and God says, I'll show you all of it, Moses. Now that is amazing. All of the goodness of God. That is the glory. That is the glory. Because anything that you can describe that others may use to talk about the glory, well, when you're in the glory, it's like an atmosphere. Well, yes, it is. That's because when you enter into a place of multiplied goodness, you can feel it. Well, I don't know about that. Well, you can sure feel it when you walk into an atmosphere of multiplied badness. Well, pastor, the Old Testament talks about in the tabernacle and the temple when the glory of the Lord descended. It's kabod in the Hebrew, and it means weight. So the glory must be weight. Absolutely. But why is it weighty? Because when God shows up with all of his goodness, if he starts unloading goodness on you in his measure, there's going to be some weight to it. Every way you can explain the dimensions of God's glory comes back to it's all of his goodness. So here's what we need to understand then today. There's a characteristic of this is kind of where we land the plane. This is the point that's got to be brought home. There's a characteristic of God's glory that we need to grasp it and then we need to pursue it now that we know what it is. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we quote it often, you know it, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, that's what we're doing here this morning, are being transformed into his image with, look at the way this puts it, ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit? Glory, very clear, comes from the Lord. It doesn't matter how many watch the Super Bowl tonight. It doesn't matter how much money is made off of it. It doesn't matter who wins the battle of more FaceTime tonight on the Super Bowl, Travis or Taylor. It doesn't matter which one wins. All actual glory comes from the Lord. We can put people up because of their education or because of their accomplishments or because of their achievements or even their humanitarian aid to their fellow man. Wonderful. But real glory comes from the Lord. And it is ever increasing. See, the translation you're familiar with is probably... We are being changed from glory to glory. But when you dig in and uncover it, it's revealing the increasing nature of glory in the believer's life. The increasing nature of experiencing all of God's goodness is to be ever increasing in us. So that means I can look back and tell you the history of the good things, the goodness of God revealed to my life, in my life, around my life, all over it, all the time. But that is now to be increasing. My experience with receiving and showing God's glory should be increasing. I was able to be used by God last year to do this and this and this thing. That's glorious, because if God used you, that's his glory, his goodness, that's amazing. But this year, ever increasing. Thank God for what was, but I'm also looking forward to what will be. Because his go- all of his goodness is to be increasing in my life. That is the nature of God's glory. See, people's glory fades. Somebody skyrockets rock- to, the, to the top of one of the music charts, and you know their name for a minute, or a year, or a decade. But there comes a point when you reach a generation. You ever talk to your kid or your grandkid about somebody that was big to you that everybody knew and they haven't even heard of them? Human glory eventually fades. doesn't matter how great you may have been in your time. There will come a point to where the attention you get wanes and someone else is getting the attention. Human glory fades. Of course it does because it's corrupted. Corrupted. This is why God is a holy God because he's eternal and anything t- eternal can't be corrupted. It has to be holy. So the, the natural glory, the glory that man experiences from himself, that, that lasts but for a moment and it fades. But the glory of God is ever increasing. This means you haven't lived your best day just yet. You haven't done the greatest thing you'll do for God just yet. You haven't had your greatest victory just yet. Because the glory of God in your life is to increase. Over time, it may look different. It may may manifest differently. You may have different experiences. You may do something different for God than what you did a few years ago, but it will be of increasing nature. Because if it's God's glory, it's ever increasing. And some in this room would say, Pastor, I feel like that I have been so blessed to experience God's glory and see his goodness in all these different ways. I, I feel like I've exp- had spiritual experiences that are powerful. I've heard God's voice. I've been led by his spirit. I've been taken over by his spirit. I've been involved in a miracle or I was used by God to do something that was powerful. And I, I just feel like it has been glorious. Well, praise God. But the glory is to be ever increasing in and through your life. I could sit down today and write a history of of this church, that which we know, and when we go over, even just what's happened in the last 12 months, for a little church like ours to do some of the things we do, like night to shine this weekend, it's glorious. The way that we've been able to do, God's used us to do missions things and plant churches and and just have impact in places near and far is so much bigger than we are. And it's amazing and it's glorious. But that's to increase. It's not to retreat. It's not to wane. It's not to say, well, praise God for what we did. That'll be good. No, it was good for the time. But the glory of God is to be ever increasing. We're not done yet. Is this anywhere else in Scripture? Sure. Haggai two nine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Why? Because the nature of God's glory is to ever increase. So if He has one house, it'll be glorious. But when that temple is replaced, the next one will be more glorious. What God did with you before was glorious, but what He's about to do will even be more. That's the nature of His glory. That's what is revealed. The glory of God intensifies within us. It does not wane. It does not diminish. And so now, Rhonda, you can come. Whoever you t- whatever you're doing, you can, y'all can come. So, I have recently looked back through just since October 2022. The multiple page document that we have it's ongoing We have a sh- the staff has a shared document that we all have access to that we add to that is uh, the updated outpouring documentation so in other words since October of 22 the miracles, the healings, the answered prayers the salvations, the deliverances that we know about we have documented because early on right at the beginning the Lord told us you have to document everything I do you have to write it down and recently for different reasons i've had to go back through there and, and look and it will it will blow your mind to put all of it that we know about this is the things we know on one piece of single space sheeted paper that goes page after page after page after page after healings and miracles and deliverances and salvations and wayward Family coming home and just one thing after another. It's it's mind-boggling. And yet that is all evidence of the glory of God. Man didn't do any of it, God doesn't. But the nature of his glory is ever increasing. So that means what he's done is wonderful but what's coming is greater. What he's done in you has been great, but what he's going to do is greater if you'll cooperate. All of it hinges on whether we cooperate. That's our walk with God. We, have to we, get, the, we get the opportunity to choose to cooperate. He has nothing but victorious salvation, deliverance, healing plans for all of us. If we, if we submit, if we can cooperate, but that's up to us. And so the question for us then is this morning, in your life as an individual and in our life as a church, do we really believe that God's glory increases and that we want to in- co- cooperate to see ever-increasing glory in our lives? Is that really what we want? Moses wanted it, and he said, God, show me your glory. And God said, yes. That is God's response to people who genuinely want to see his glory, they're not after their own benefit, but they're after seeing who God really is. The beauty of it, God always says yes to that because he wants to reveal himself. He doesn't want to be hidden from man. He wants to reveal himself to man. And so we are now at a moment where we get to decide, do I want God's glorious work in me and through me to increase? Or am I satisfied with what's been? Now, we have to answer that as a church. Will we be satisfied with what we've had, what we've experienced? Or will we say, God, there's more and we're we're ready for that? Well, we have to decide that as a church, but we've got to decide that as individuals. And you may say, how then if I say yes? If I say yes, God, I want to enter into the increasing nature of your glory in my life. How does that happen? The blueprint for that also comes from Moses. Because in Exodus 34, after this conversation with God is concluded, when she's asked God to see his glory, there was a consequence to this that Moses didn't recognize. He didn't know it at first. He comes down the mountain. After 40 days alone in the presence of God, And now they have to cover his face. Because just like a sunburn, exposure to the sun makes you glow. Exposure to the glory of God made Moses glow. Physically, visibly, it changed him so much that it got everyone's attention. And they said, Moses, we can't even have a conversation. It's so distracting. We have to cover your face to talk to you. What was the secret that brought Moses into that experience? It was simply him exposing himself to the presence of God and saying, God, I am here to receive your glory. That is always going to be the thing. It is always going to be you making yourself available, not just to your work, not just to your family, not just your responsibilities, but God, I'm also carving out a place in my life. I need to be in your presence because what I take away from your presence is not anything I can get anywhere else. It's the mountain. It's the place alone with God where God stamps his glorious imprint on you. You can tell people who spent time with God because they look and they sound like him. They act like him. Their heart is like his because he's had the chance to imprint. And I would challenge you to live a lifestyle of carving out that spot continually so that his glory can increase in your life. But we're going to, but we're going to hit the starting button on it this morning. Now I'm about to make an altar call and understand when I ask folks to respond, if you need to leave and go home, if you've got places you have to be, praise God. That's your dismissal. You can go, and I hope I can see you at 5 o'clock and we'll pray together tonight. So don't you be hindered. But I'm not going to address that again because we've got other business. There are people in this room who are hungry to either experience God's glory the first time or to expose yourself to him in a way that it continues to increase in your life. I want to get the ball rolling. That's a lifestyle, but I want to get the ball rolling this morning. And so the staff and I are going to position ourselves. You're doing that now, staff. And we're going to pray over you. It's not about us praying over you. Just, we're just agreeing. You're receiving. Sometimes, sometimes you need to just receive and let someone else pray. It's good for you to just have a receiving posture. And we're just going to ask God to start that work today by exposure to his presence. His presence is here. And then you're going to take this home and keep giving him place, and keep giving him access, so that that glory can increase on your life. I think we need to balance this out. We got, we got like 47 over here and two over here. Y'all got a lot of trust in Zach and Katie. You're like, oh, they can take care of it over there. Just let everybody go over there. The other thing is this, if the exposure you need to God is this, that it's time for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if it's time for you to stop going back and forth, in and out, or just rebel and just being away from God, if it's time for that to end or for you to come to Jesus and give him your life, turn away from your sin and begin a new life, if if that needs to happen today, this is your day, approach one of the folks praying and say, hey, I need to accept Jesus, they'll be glad to pray with you. This is the moment to do that. But if you're just hungry to experience and then experience the increasing glory of God, we're going to spend the time it takes to pray with every person and let that glory saturate our lives and give us a push out the door because it's never about us. It's always about him revealing himself when we go out there. I want enough of him on me in here until people out there can tell it so that they see him and not me. So stand with us if you would. If you have to go, I love you. But if you're hungry for the glory of God, let's, 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 join, let's gather around this front. Let's experience God.